Sydney Moon, and welcome to the Holiday Moons podcast, where we share our love for the holidays with you year-round. Today, I will be continuing my mini-series on spring bucket list, and today's topic will be on blowing bubbles. This is Beth, and I will be talking about honeymoon destinations in the U.S. And this is Randy. I will be beginning a all-American summer foods mini-series. And today's topic will be hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> and Cole is not with us today. He is actually in Tampa, Florida, enjoying the sun and the beach and the uh, Gulf Side water with uh, his friends and his girlfriend and his roommate. So hopefully he's having lots of fun. He returns back to Virginia, or they all return back to Virginia tomorrow. Beth and I took a fun trip yesterday, just a day trip on the weekend, to a city uh, called Stanton. It's spelled S-T-A-U-N-T-O-N. Yesterday, we went antiquing, as they say, at a big antique warehouse location down there. And then kind of hung around in Stanton for a little bit, went ate in a fun restaurant called the Depot Grill. And at Mrs. Rao's, which is a place that it's a restaurant, but also sells pie. So we got pie there. And then to walk off all that food, we went to Storybook Trail, which is near Massanutten, Virginia. So lots of fun. Thank you, Autumn. Lots of fun <laughs> that day. It's been up and down temperature-wise. We got a good day yesterday. It was in the upper 60s yesterday. It was so gorgeous yesterday. Although, like, today's in the mid-80s, so it's just all over the place right now. Right. I mean, the mornings are nice yes. because it's still that coolness. Right. But, the yeah, by afternoon it's going to be hot. Yeah. And the flowers are definitely fading. All the spring flowers and the flowering trees are fading, uh, which also means there's lots and lots of pollen in the air. Right. And there are late spring flowers not yet blooming, like peonies. Yeah, not yet. That's right. But the other but ones... But the early spring flowers... Yeah. And the flowering trees are turning to leaves now. Right. Pretty much done. Yep. And this coming week is a very fun week. Not only do we have Star Wars Day on May the 4th and Cinco de Mayo on May the 5th, but it is also Puppy Pickup Week. Woo! Yay! Yay! Yeah. We've been waiting for this yeah. a long time. I was, in fact, I'm just packing for the trip today. Although I have another very short trip before it, I want to make sure that I'm all ready for, to pack up and go for the Puppy Pickup trip. It's kind of like a girl's trip. Um, it is. Yeah, because me and Mom are going to pick her up. And I don't even know how much, like, I really stuffed the travel backpack with a lot of toys and, <laughs> and blankets and I was looking at the food like I put I think almost at least one of all her the different treats I got her um and then one of the treats like the treats themselves were kind of big so I like cut it up into like thirds um so yeah just a lot of fun thinking about that and I've been puppy proofing my apartment that's um, right mom lent me her um wire covers so thank you mom they've worked out really well wire covers like they cover the they go around the wires and they're a little bit right. uh bandable and loose so dogs don't like to bite into them so they protect the wires and the dogs from biting the wires right right yep so I think I'm just about ready I've been making a fun sign. You know how you see pictures with puppies and it says, like, 
what you know welcome so in you know skippy or whatever yeah um sorry i was making my own sign to take with us so i thought that would be cute <laughs> that is cute yeah. That's a good idea. So, I've been having fun. Yeah. Thinking about this. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't even have the puppy yet. I know. <laughs> and you have a puppy baby book. I do, and I've already started filling it out. Yeah. That's really cute. Yeah. It is. So, I can't wait to start putting pictures in it. Yep. I know we got more fan email asking about the puppy and, and wondering when it's coming. So, that'll be exciting for them as well, I'm sure, to hear about the upcoming pup events that's right and they want to know colors and things but i thought we maybe could wait until the puppy comes and then sydney can give a full report at least the next podcast i don't know if you'll hear it in the background or not because you can hear autumn really well so i don't know if you'll end up hearing the puppy true or not it depends on how vocal it is yeah true right So we should have a report from Cole from his trip this week, next week, on how his trip to Florida was and what all they did. Right, and then we'll also get a puppy report. Yep. After having it for a few days, so that'll be very fun to look forward to. Definitely. And as I have been preparing for the puppy, I've been looking at different things I can do with her, and one thing I can do with her is have fun blowing bubbles with her. Do you remember we did that with our little dog when we had her? With Maya? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We used to blow bubbles and she'd jump at them and she loved them. on the beach, she would chase the bubbles that were on the the water line. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cute. Yeah. Yeah, so I was curious because bubbles are definitely, I think, a typical American thing that we do, especially in the summer, but in the spring as well when uh, warmer days come and go yep and when you think about like fairgrounds and things like that so I, I actually got a little curious about the history of bubbles so the bubble history and i got this on a site called bubbles.org oh huh yeah there's like an organization for bubbles okay yeah yeah it's that special so 17th century flemish paintings show children blowing bubbles with clay pipes. Generations of 18th and 19th century mothers gave their children their leftover washing soap to blow bubbles. At the beginning of the 20th century, street peddlers and pitchmen were among the first to sell bubbles as a toy. During the early 1940s, a chemical company, Chemtoy, which sold cleaning supplies, revolutionized the toy world by systematically bottling bubble solution. Tootsie Toy Company, you you know, you think of Tootsie, you think of Tootsie Roll. I didn't realize there's a Tootsie Toy Company. Later acquired the small chemical company and put the bubble solution into full retail distribution by the late 1940s. During the 1960s, bubbles became a symbol of peace and harmony to hippies and flower children and further popularized the sport, although I'm not entirely sure if that's the word for it, of (laughs) blowing bubbles. In the 1970s, 80s, and 90s, bubble-making companies like Imperial, Wells, and Pustavix came into being increasing worldwide sales of bottles of bubble solution to more than 200 million a year. Today, Bubble Solution is the best-selling toy in the world. 
That's so interesting. It is. Especially since you can make it at home. So for it to be the best-selling toy in the world, that's kind of crazy. Yeah. So pipes and wands were the earliest mass-produced bubble blowers. Vintage bubble sets, most popular in the 1940s, generally came in brightly decorated boxes and included a bar of soap, a dish for the soap water, and a bubble pipe or two. Battery-operated and mechanical bubble blowers, often made with colorful tin bases, became popular in the 50s and 60s. This was also the time when the first bubble blowers featuring television stars were produced with characters from the Howdy Doody show among the first. From there, thousands of character-oriented bubble blowers have been produced from Disney figures to Barbie icons and fast food characters. In recent years, rice has been replaced by bubbles at many weddings. So with that, I was thinking, because bubble blowing has been around for a very long time, even before they started mass producing them, I wondered if people had their own bubble solution that you can just make at home. I found this recipe on the sprucecrafts.com. What you'll need are measuring spoons, a measuring cup, and a stirring stick. For materials, you will need one jar, bubble wands, one cup of water, one tablespoon of dish soap, and one tablespoon glycerin. So using your measuring cup, measure out one cup of water and pour it into the jar. Add one tablespoon of dish soap to the water in the jar. Any brand of dish soap will work here, but, I mean, you might want to look for some that are gentler because you are blowing the bubbles and it might get into your eyes or whatever. Dish soap helps to create the bubbles, but dish soap alone won't work well for your bubble-blowing mixture. And I have found that to be true because when I was younger, I tried just doing it with soap and water and never really turned out very well. Mm -hmm. You then measure out one tablespoon of glycerin and add to the water and dish soap mixture in the jar glycerin is a sugary compound that mixes with the dish soap to form a thicker bubble so you should be all set to go by stirring the bubble mixture together taking out your bubble wand and starting your bubble blowing and if you want to make your own bubble makers here are some ways that you can do so you have the straw bubble maker, and this can make some very big bubbles. And you probably have all of the supplies that you need in your junk drawer. You just need your bubble solution and a shallow dish, and then some straws and cotton string. You will thread the string through the two straws and make a rectangle, then use two more straws to create a handle. Instant big bubbles. The second one is a mini bubble maker. Just like the last one, you probably have all of the supplies at home. An old water bottle, a handful of straws, and either bubble bath or bubble solution. Cut the top off of a water bottle, then insert enough straws to fill the hole. Then just dip it into your bubble solution and have at it. Another bubble maker is the bubble snakes. They can easily be made with a water bottle, washcloth, rubber band, and soap. Cut off the very bottom of a water bottle, 
then cover with the washcloth and secure with a rubber band. Then just dip it into some bubble solution and you will see an amazing bubble snake emerge. And the final one I'm going to talk about is the water bottle bubble blower. So all you will need is take a clean water bottle and poke a small hole in the bottom. This is where you will be blowing air into the bottle. Then dip the opening at the top of the water bottle into the bubble solution and start blowing. And you'll get some basic bubbles there. So a lot of these supplies can be found around the house. So that makes the bubble blower even easier to make. There are a lot more ideas online that you can Google, including the bubble wands or making your own bubble solution. And yeah, you can participate in the hundreds of years that we've been blowing bubbles. I'm guessing that you could probably, in this day and age of craft stores, purchase bubble wands. Yes. To to put in your homemade bubble solution. Yeah. And I will say, I also saw somewhere, and you'll have to be careful, but like a lot of bubble solutions that are mass produced are... I guess like kid friendly or whatnot. Like it's not, it's not made of harmful chemicals. So yeah, it's probably inexpensive too, which is why it's it's such a good seller. Right. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because when Dad and I were coming out of the grill yesterday where we ate, we came down around the the parking lot, and there was an electronic bubble blower in one of the windows. As we came out of the grill, Dad said, oh, look, there are some bubbles. I'm like, bubbles? And then we went around and saw that where it was coming from. Yeah, it was just a machine in a window. Yeah. And it was just blowing out this constant stream of bubbles. It was hilarious. Yeah. I know we've gone to festivals as part of different groups and things, and I have an electronic bubble blower. It doesn't have as deep a tank to hold the <laughs> bubble solution as theirs, I'm sure, do, but it produces bubbles just constantly, yeah. which is fun for fairs and things like that too so you can buy those pretty inexpensively now yeah and it's great as long as kids don't come over really excited and pick it up and tip it over true so you have to kind of watch it yeah that, <laughs> if you're in yeah, the fair situation a, a few times so yes <laughs> there was one kid that just was so fascinated by it yes well it's interesting that you had mentioned that bubbles are blown at the end of wedding sydney i was thinking the same thing as my topic being the honeymoon destinations in the U.S. During the last podcast, I talked about anniversary ideas. Today, I was going to take a step back and look at, well, what comes after the wedding. I was going to say the wedding, but it's really what comes after the wedding. So after the wedding, after the bubble blowing, on to the next thing is the honeymoon. So as I researched, I landed on travel and leisure's recommended destinations for honeymoons. I condensed it, so if you want the full article, you can Google travel and leisure honeymoon destinations in the U.S. There was an editor's note in there. This article was from 2021, and there's an editor's note that says, Those who choose to travel are strongly encouraged to check local government restrictions, rules, and safety measures related to COVID-19 and take personal comfort levels and health conditions into consideration before departure. Which brings us to... The fact that weddings and honeymoons this year and last year have kind of been turned upside down by COVID-19. So a domestic honeymoon can be a really good option to flying to another country. Here we have to, you know, you have to check different states, but that's a little different than going to a different country. 
In the U.S., there are a lot of places to honeymoon that provide romance and or adventure, depending on who you are and what you want, and give you a memorable honeymoon. So one of these places, and I found this a very interesting group of destinations. I condensed it. One of them is Castle Hot Springs, Arizona. And I, I don't really think of Arizona as a hot spot for honeymooning. But the area, I'm going to read what they say about it. It's really very interesting. So from Castle Hot Springs, Arizona, if your idea of paradise is utter seclusion, standalone suites outfitted with enormous alfresco bathtubs and indulgent farm-to-table five-course meals, then Castle Hot Springs is the romantic sanctuary of your honeymoon dreams. It's an 11,000-acre property which hosts no more than 63 guests at a time. There are three hot springs ranging from 105 to 120 degrees Fahrenheit. It's the hottest natural non-sulfuric hot spring in the world, interestingly. It's an all-inclusive resort. It's in the pinnacle of desert opulence from the indoor and outdoor fireplaces next to which you can enjoy your morning coffee to the exceptional five-course meals included in your nightly rate with produce sourced from the on-site farm and greenhouse. For the couple that wants to add an unforgettable adventure element to their honeymoon, sign up for the Castle Hot Springs Via Ferrata, a harnessed rock climbing experience inspired by alpine climbing in Europe. Adventurous souls can scale the sheer Arizona desert cliffs without ever being at risk of falling to the top of 500-foot Castle Peak. Okay, so the first part of that sounded so fun. And different destinations are going to be for different kinds of people. This is somebody who wants more seclusion, wants just the two of them in their honeymoon area alone. The first part of it sounds great. Five-course meals, that sounds like, oh my goodness, that's so much, but I'm sure they have it down. Sounds like a great property. The adventurous souls... Scaling the sheer Arizona desert cliffs, that's not going to be me. <laughs> but for those that are like that, there you go. Next is the Hamptons, New York. The Hamptons get ritzier and more idyllic every year. They've always had an air of romance from the days of Gatsby to today's scene. The Hamptons remain a couple's escape where city stressors fall by the wayside to make way for fabulous parties, charming wineries, and south of France reminiscent lavender fields. So the Hamptons are a nice place to go for a variety of things, including some nightlife. Next is Napa Valley, California. And it sells itself as a honeymoon destination, claiming to be one of the most romantic destinations in the U.S. That's quite a claim. And the beauty of Napa is so much to explore in every town and in the valley. From farm-to-table dining at Acacia House in St. Helena to spending the afternoon at Tank Garage Winery in Calistoga to lounging at Archer Hotel Napa's rooftop in downtown Napa, this honeymoon is for the classy food and wine-loving couple. For perfect accommodations and more wine, stay at the brand new Montage Heldsburg, which just opened in late 2020 and offers opulent standalone bungalow-style suites and an adjacent vineyard. So there you go. The next one caught my attention. Ogonquit, Maine. Now, if I'm not saying that correctly, you can let me know. But that's what it looks like. 
Maine is an often unsung vacation hero of New England with enough seafood, wilderness, and gorgeous views of the Atlantic Ocean to characterize it not only as one of the best honeymoon destinations in the U.S., but also as an essential couple's vacation spot. Honeymooners should set their sights on Ogonquit with sunrises over the Atlantic and lobster rolls. Aside from noshing on lobster rolls and chowder at Lobster Shack in Perkins Cove, and picnicking and strolling along Marginal Way, which is a three-mile waterfront path. Reserve a pampering week at Cliff House, Maine, a seaside retreat on the southern coast known for the spa at Cliff House's healing restorative treatments. There's a lot of property on Maine that is just gorgeous, but there you have a honeymoon destination-specific one. Next is Nashville, Tennessee. For the fun-loving couple looking for a hearty dose of culture on their honeymoon, Nashville is a city of good food, art, and music. Your honeymoon here will have architectural elements. Nashville is known for the Parthenon, made in the image of the original Athens structure and music inspiration from the shops on Music Row, as well as some truly memorable barbecue from Martin's. So there's a lot of fun things there in Nashville. This, and I I'm, I'm find myself getting excited by things like Maine and then this next one is Seattle and the San Juan Islands Washington State. So if you're from the East Coast visiting the Pacific Northwest really does feel like visiting another continent. The natural beauty of the Puget Sound, Mount Rainier, and coastal islands will sweep you both away with live music, Douglas fir trees, and West Coast oysters. Start your honeymoon in Seattle at Four Seasons Hotel Seattle, known for their truly unrivaled infinity pool looking out over Elliott Bay. Then make your way up to San Juan Islands, the best kept travel secret in the U.S., and a sleeper hit romantic honeymoon. In the San Juan, stay on the remote Lumi Island at Willow's Inn, home to one of the best restaurants in the U.S., and revel in the peace and exquisite scenery that comes with this far-flung Pacific Island vacation. And that made me want to go to the San Juan Islands, <laughs> even though it's the whole way across the country. That'd be a long drive for us. It would be a long drive, but you'd probably have to fly. <laughs> <laughs> Next is Isla Morada, Florida. If you're longing for the Caribbean or the Thai Islands, the Florida Keys delivers. Isla Morada is one of our favorite keys, not only for their sugar sand beaches and glittering water, but because it's home to Moorings Village, where you can rent a gorgeous beachfront cottage. Moorings essentially gives you your own slice of the island, a freestanding private cottage with whitewashed walls and luxury island-inspired decor. Rent their honeymoon cottage, the name speaks for itself, and enjoy romantic strolls in the tropical garden, mornings lounging on hammocks, and sunsets you'll never forget. And it sounds lovely for those that like the warm weather and the ocean. The next one is interesting because I would have never looked at the name of this and thought, ooh, honeymoon. It's a Jackson Hole, Wyoming. H-O-L-E. Jackson Hole, Wyoming. There are few honeymoons more over the top in the U.S. or abroad than an Ammon vacation. These hotels are not just the gold standard of five-star retreats. They are tailor-made for honeymooners. For a veritable winter paradise at the gateway to Yellowstone National Park and Grand Teton National Park, book your honeymoon at... Amangani in Jackson Hole. From Amangani's private ski lounge, dog sledding, and wellness treatments for two in the winter, 
to a western hiking and wildlife haven with remote beauty in the summer. This is a once-in-a-lifetime honeymoon for any season. Looking for another winter honeymoon? Aspen, Colorado. Has to be at the top of your list because it offers both world-class skiing and winter activities. If your honeymoon in the French Alps got canceled, book a suite at Hotel Jerome and Auberg Resorts Collection instead, where the spa brings centuries-old healing traditions of the Roaring Fork Valley by harnessing indigenous minerals, botanicals, and essential oils. This is a honeymoon for the couple who wants to cozy up by a roaring fire with a bottle of wine and hide from the world together, but also challenge each other on the slopes and try new adventures from snowmobiling to tubing. Finally, the last one I'm going to talk about is the Grand Canyon, Arizona. The national parks are perfect honeymoon destinations in the U.S. for couples looking for a domestic bucket list trip. You may as well start with a piece de resistance and head to the Grand Canyon. There's really no destination more perfect after your wedding, according to them. <laughs> Spend your days hiking the magnificent cliffs and your nights under the stars at Under Canvas Grand Canyon. It's a glamping honeymoon made especially romantic thanks to Under Canvas's ensuite tents, many with private decks and wood-burning stoves to keep you toasty after the sun goes down. So there are a lot of just fun ideas in the U.S. to go. Yeah, and the thing I like about your list is that it covers across the continental United States. I don't think you had Alaska in there, but obviously Alaska, Hawaii, each have their own uh, destination spots too. But um, no matter where you live, there's probably something within relatively close driving distance-ish, you know, if you don't want to fly these days, right? So, um, and they all sound very fun. They do. Makes me want to just visit some of them beyond a honeymoon, just to go visit them. Sydney, you have anything to say? No, they all sound very fun. I would say probably my preferences out of the ones that Mom had mentioned are probably Maine and New York. And I know those are very polar opposite kind of they are. places. But, um, but yeah, I think all of them, though, sound very fun. Yeah, I've heard of the Jackson Hole one in Wyoming before, so, so I, that would be neat, too. Um, there, I know there's a lot of dude ranches out there, too, so... That'd be interesting to see. Yeah. And glamping would be interesting, especially in the Grand Canyon. That would yeah. be pretty, pretty cool. So Yeah, because you think of that as being a very rustic place. Yeah. So or a very touristy place. So that right. sounds like you get a little away a little bit too. So, right. Yeah. And for those of us that don't like camping, glamping, if you're going to do it, sounds like the way to go. <laughs> That's right. Yes. And I'm sure when you go on your honeymoon, you're thinking, where are the nearest hot dogs and how can I get them? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> but, you know, as we get into uh, May, uh, we start thinking about things like warmer weather and barbecuing outside and more traditional, all-American summer kinds of foods. What what foods come to mind for you girls? Barbecued chicken, corn on the cob. Like hamburgers. You already mentioned hot dogs, uh, cotton candy, root beer floats. Yeah, that's good. Those are good. Yeah, I just um, I just watched Scooby Doo at a fair, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there's a lot of things we consider all American foods, but most of the time they came from somewhere else. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, the first one I'm going to talk about that we consider all American is hot dogs, which um, have become an all American food. And I got my information 
from the National Hot Dog and Sausage Council. Oh, good. Yes, that another is, official council. That's right. Like and the bubble organization, that's right? That's right. <laughs> we can count on that to be we true can. and accurate. As well as places like the History Channel and things like that. Because there is a lot of history to the hot dog. And the hot dog evolved from the sausage. And essentially, they're modern-day twists on the sausage. And sausages were mentioned as far back in Homer's The Odyssey. That's so funny. And Emperor Nero's uh, chef, Gaius, is actually is recorded to have prepared them for Emperor Nero. So they go back a long way from in the sausage form. Now, the Frankfurter, which is the more hot dog-like version of the sausage, is believed to be developed around 1487. Now, this is where the controversy really starts, is who developed the first Frankfurter. So in 1487, the city of Frankfurt celebrates that they created... The Frankfurter is that in Germany? that year. That's right. That's in Germany. Five years before Christopher Columbus set sail. So that's how long ago that thing was invented. So they could have taken hot dogs over with them. They might have. <laughs> we don't know. But the people of Vienna, Austria, point to the term wiener to prove that they were the birthplace of the predecessor to the hot dog. So lots of controversy there. But, you know, as is so true in many of our traditions in North America... It probably comes from a widespread set of European sausages that were brought from butchers of various nationalities that then kind of transformed it into um, our country's version of it. Right. Yeah, that's true. It's also in doubt who served the first dachshund sausage on a roll. So that also gets into some controversy. So let's talk a little bit about the history and a little bit about some interesting information. In Chicago in 1893... There was something called the Columbian Exposition, which is kind of like a big World's Fair-ish kind of thing, where hordes of visitors consume large quantities of sausages sold by vendors. And people liked the food because it was easy to eat, convenient, and inexpensive. So Germans always ate the dachshund sausages with bread. Since the sausage culture is German or and Austrian, it's likely that Germans introduced the practice of eating dachshund sausages nestled in some kind of bread. Also in 1893, sausages became the standard fare at baseball parks. That tradition is believed to have started by a St. Louis bar owner who was a German immigrant, but also loved the St. Louis Browns, which was a baseball team back then. So where did the name hot dog come from? It's often attributed to a cartoonist who observed cart selling red hot dachshund dogs. Now can you guess where the name dachshund dog comes from? Right, because they're really long. Right, Germans had dachshunds as pets. And the hot dog looks like a dachshund. So <laughs> loosely. When, loosely, right? So when they would sell these things, like on, they have examples of many places that, that they sold them at the time, they looked like, and they were referred to as dachshund dogs. Are they the ones that we had when we were in Germany, the real long ones that had the like smaller no, buttons? No, those are just sausages. Oh, okay. Yeah, or frankfurters depending on which one. So these are more closely what we consider a hot dog today. Oh, okay. Uh, They were called dachshund dogs, which many people weren't able to spell dachshund, so (laughs) they just wrote dogs, or because they were so hot, hot dogs. Interesting. Now, there's not a lot of proof as far as exactly where the term came from, but you do see the term popping up in different um, articles and things like that back then. And it makes sense. Yeah. Somebody got the clever notion, and then somebody else 
said it and somebody else. And yeah. before you know it, it's the name. Right. The vendors themselves, the people who own the carts or the wagons, had dachshunds as pets. So the dachshunds would be there. And they yeah. would be selling these little wieners, yeah. sausages that are shaped like a <laughs> dachshund, right? So it all kind of makes sense. In fact, sometimes the uh, the little vendor cart would be called a dog wagon. So, you know, that's that, cute. It yeah. kind of all kind of meshed together to become the hot dog. <laughs> now, as for the bun, which was separate, there's also a legend that the creation of the bun was actually a, a happy accident where in some places sausages were consumed while wearing gloves and the vendor would actually give the consumer gloves to eat the sausage with and they would run out of gloves so they would improvise by putting them on rolls so there was that legend too but like i said there's a lot of uncertainty when it comes to the the facts right of the hot dog and it could have happened simultaneously in different places too right the same kind of things happening in different places that you can't really point to one place right now franks and wieners were originally named for the Americanized hot dogs and from different hometowns like Frankfurt, Germany, and Vienna, Austria. And we use the terms kind of interchangeably between hot dogs, franks, and wieners. Like we just kind of mix them together. Although franks typically refer to all beef products, while wieners usually contain pork. So there's, uh, there's some consistency there. And the government does define what an official hot dog is. So that, you know, there is some specific conditions to what can be called a hot dog, for so instance. Funny. If it doesn't have any meat in it, it can't be called a hot dog, for instance. <laughs> things, things like that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> there are also controversies, not only with where hot dog and hot dog buns separately came from, but there's also controversies about what makes an okay hot dog combination, right? So if you want to... Talk about controversy, just ask a New Yorker his opinion of a Chicago dog or vice versa. Because people, just like they're kind of loyal to their hometown sports teams, they're loyal to their hometown pizzas and their hometown hot dogs. So New York and Chicago dogs are among the most popular, but there are other uh, variants as well around the world. So what is a signature Chicago hot dog? I was wondering that. Uh, it's sometimes named the depression sandwich because it's so economical and so satisfying, but a hot dog is not a sandwich. Uh, a Chicago dog is an all-beef hot dog on a steamed poppy seed bun with raw onions, green, and these are the bright green relish, mustard, tomato slices, a pickle spear, uh, sports peppers, and a dash of celery salt. Okay, that's crazy. Yeah, that's that Dude, crazy. That's a crazy dog. Yeah, a New York... Uh, style hot dog from the Bronx or Battery Park, Coney Island, that whole area, uh, comes with steamed onions and a pale deli-style yellow mustard. There's also the Kansas City hot dog that's got sauerkraut and melted Swiss cheese. There's the Michigan Coney Island dog, which has chili sauce on top with mustard and onion. The West Virginia dog, which is... um, topped with coleslaw but also features chili and mustard so there's a lot of different styles of hot dogs but the chicago and the new york hot dogs tend to be the most known but i thought it was interesting because the national hot dog and sausage council put out official hot dog etiquette and this was pretty controversial i thought and see what you guys think about this and basically it's do's and don'ts all right so i'll give you an easy one do eat hot dogs on buns with your hands Utensils should not touch hot dogs or the buns. Okay? Okay. Don't put hot dog toppings between the hot dog and the bun. 
Always dress the dog, not the bun. Condiments should be applied in the following order. Wet condiments like mustard and chili are applied first, followed by chunky condiments, condiments like relish, onions, and sauerkraut, followed by shredded cheese, followed by spices like celery, salt, and pepper. So that's how you should build it up if you're going to build it up. Gotcha. Do lick away condiments remaining on the fingers after eating a hot dog instead of washing. Oh, okay. Yeah, not very very COVID-friendly, but yes. Don't take more than five bites to finish a hot dog. For a foot-long wiener, seven bites are acceptable. Foot-long? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Seven bites? Yep, yep. Don't use ketchup on your hot dog after the age of 18. Mustard, relish, onions, cheese, and chili are acceptable. Oh, yeah. Well, I have to get into that unacceptable category that I like mustard and ketchup. Yes. So it's interesting when it comes to mustard and ketchup. What do you think the United States feels about mustard versus ketchup on hot dogs? Sydney, you go first. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I just have to say a lot of people like ketchup. Okay. So I'm going to go with the ketchup. More people like ketchup than mustard? Yeah. All right, then I'll say more people like mustard than ketchup. I'll just go the other route. According to recent surveys, 71% of Americans prefer mustard on their hot dogs. What about both? Yeah. However, an overwhelming 52% of respondents said they prefer to put tomato sauce, ketchup, basically, on their hot dogs. So more people like mustard... More than half like ketchup, which means there's a fair amount that like them both at the same yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> in, fact, I, in fact, I just had a hot dog today with both ketchup and mustard. <laughs> yeah. You did, you did it. In, according to the Hot Dog and Sausage Council, Sydney, you did it incorrectly. <laughs> right. I also ate it like in, like I didn't eat it in seven bites. My mouth is small, so. Right. Yeah. Well, actually, it was a regular sized hot dog, not a foot long. You, only it was, five. There's only five bites. You really did it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, also, Americans eat and buy a lot of hot dogs. On July 4th alone, Americans will enjoy 150 million hot dogs just on that one day. Between Memorial Day and Labor Day, Americans will eat a staggering. Seven billion hot dogs. <laughs> that is crazy. We are hilarious. Spending more than two and a half billion on hot dogs alone. Um, the most expensive hot dog ever sold to date was sold in Seattle, Washington in 2014 for $169 just for one hot dog. Why? The cheese bratwurst was smothered in butter from teriyaki grilled onions. There's maitake mushrooms, wagyu beef. Foie gras, shaved black truffles, caviar, and Japanese mayonnaise on a brioche bun. So just a lot of expensive toppings on that brioche bun. (laughs) I, I, yeah. Yeah, so how do you guys prefer to eat your hot dogs? I, overwhelmingly, I prefer my hot dog to be grilled with charcoal. It has is infused with that flavor. Now I will eat other people's hot dogs if they're there. Yeah. Um, but I like all beef cooked on a charcoal grill, and then of course, as I said earlier, I put I put my, uh, ketchup and mustard on it. But I don't mind sauerkraut and mustard. Yeah. So That's you were good going good until you put the ketchup on there. Then yeah. you're just being a child. Um, I am. <laughs> I, I only people up to eighteen years old are allowed to yes. do that. So. How about you? How do you prefer yours, Sydney? 
Well, I think I already mentioned the ketchup and mustard. Um, let's see. And just a regular hot dog, it just doesn't do it for me. Um, trying to think of what else. I do not dress the bun. I do dress the hot dog. Good job. Sometimes, sometimes when the ketchup and mustard, like, tries to get out of the bun, I will use a part of the bun to stick it back onto the hot dog. Good for you but not yeah. using utensils. Correct. <laughs> Yeah, I like them on the grill as well. All beef on the grill, you know, with charcoal specifically. Um, I I like a, a, like a fresh bun. I don't like the, you know, if you, buns get stale pretty quickly if they you're do. not careful. Um, and I like mustard. Now, I will do like a chili cheese dog. I'll do mustard and cheese. I'll do sauerkraut. So I do like a variation on what I put on top. But typically it's going to be mustard on top um, primarily. So, um, and I greatly enjoy those so um i don't mind chili dogs either there's something i'm not a big hot dog eater um except except when we (laughs) grill them on the charcoal grill yeah and then i uh and then i really do and all beef and then i really do like them but i'm like sydney like just like i wouldn't warm them up in the microwave if it wasn't previously grilled Right. On the charcoal grill. Right. I wouldn't just pull one out and microwave it and be like, mm, yum. Now, so. Cole's, Cole's not here, but I think he likes ketchup on his hot dog, not mustard. Yeah, Cole. he used to make ketchup sandwiches. Yeah. I think he likes ketchup too, but I'm not positive anymore. That'll his be... tastes have, have um, he's acquired a lot, a broader palate. Yeah. So I don't know what he has on, eats on his anymore. Yeah, True. Yes, yeah, so we hope that you enjoy eating your hot dog. I'm going to break the rules from the Hot Dog and Sausage Council and say, whatever makes you happy, eat your hot dog that way. <laughs> You're breaking rules, but I like it. It's crazy <laughs> and dangerous, but do it. Our future festivities are for the week of May 17th. May 17th is National Walnut Day. May 18th, National Visit Your Relatives Day. May 19th, May Ray Day. May 20th, Pick Strawberries Day. May 21st, Talk Like Yoda Day. May 22nd, National Craft Distillery Day. May 23rd, National Lucky Penny Day. You can always follow us on social media. On Twitter, we are at Holiday underscore Moons. And on Instagram, we are at Holiday Moons, all one word. You can find us on Facebook by searching Holiday Moons in the search bar. We have a Facebook group and a Facebook page, and you can email us at any time at holidaymoons at gmail.com. So for Sydney, Beth, and Randy, Happy Happy May. May!